Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that comes to you once a week, getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. I did it backwards for recapping the Hollywood week that was. Just pretend I said those in a different order. Uh, it's Sunday. I'm tired. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Oscar Weekly. Right off the top. Yeah. So we actually fit our brand for once. Hot and heavy with an Oscar race update. Something big happened with one of the guilds. I guess there's no better way to cover it than to jump right into it. Get your Monday mornings, afternoons, evenings, whenever you're listening to this off on the right foot. Here we go. The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... Oscar goes to... MMOW's Oscar race update. All right, Michael, what happened with the Director's Guild? So a great article by Scott Feinberg at the Hollywood Reporter, friend of the pod. <laughs> Directors Guild will no longer consider day and date releases for top prize is the title of that article. And then he has a quote right off the top saying, The Guild has elected to do what the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences recently declined to do, Michael, colon, create a roadblock for titles from Netflix. And this is a shot across the bow, no doubt about it. Theatrical films only for DGA's top prize. Yeah, this is a story that dropped on Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Like Mike said, this is something that the Academy had a chance to do. They chose not to, so this has kind of been a dead story. And then all of a sudden, the Directors Guild pipes up probably not the most surprising thing considering the biggest antagonist of the netflix model has been one of the most famous directors in america in steven spielberg correct so i can see that making sense the unanimous decision is a bit surprising but break this down for us mike so netflix cannot abide by the structure that they started with with their day and date releases they can't just release stuff on their platform they have to release in theaters in a roll-up like they did for Alfonso Caron's Roma last year. They have to acquiesce to Martin Scorsese's preference to have a theatrical release for uh, his film that's coming out. They can't do what they want to do. Right. And that, that really, it, it's a shot across the bow for Netflix, essentially. But it would not have eliminated Cuaron's Roma and Cuaron from the DGA Prize last year, though. Yeah, so it's a big deal, and yet it's kind of business as usual, because this isn't, yes, it's a direct taking direct aim at streaming services, taking direct aim at Netflix in specific. But it's Netflix has already, as we've talked about many times in the Oscar race update, Netflix is kind of already playing by the Academy rules, or at least trying to meet them in the middle with a lot of these things, because they have been for their bigger titles, such as Roma. And I think I've read previously they were planning on doing this with the Irishman anyway. I would assume they want to placate anything Scorsese asks of them as is. Uh, but they were planning on having a release in theaters, at least a small one. Now, whether that was... For Roma, they did roll it out in theaters beforehand, so whether they were going to do the same with The Irishman or just release it in theaters the same day it came out on Netflix, I'm not sure, but now they have to kind of put it out in theaters first, or at least limited run. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of inside information, the DGA, right. the Director's Guild. So they're basically, this is like a major check on the Netflix model. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just go and release stuff on your service day of and feature it that way, which is the most beneficial to Netflix because the exclusivity is there for Netflix. We've talked about this many times. Amazon Prime's model is not as successful as what Netflix has done because 
you know, they've allowed a full theatrical release right. and basically have been a first rights destination for the VOD with Amazon Prime stuff. Like Cold War came out after its theatrical right. run for how many, however many months during award season. Then a while later, it comes out onto Amazon Prime. That is totally different than, all right, three weeks and four theaters, four weeks and three. 10 theaters, whatever Netflix has been doing, and then dropping it on Netflix. Yeah, there weren't any specifics that I saw either as far as what constitutes a limited theatrical run or a theatrical run at all according to the DGA guidelines, but I could also see Netflix being very cute with this. Oh, they're going to do the minimum. because giving yeah, yeah. the Irishman one look at a, th- at a screening in the theater. New York, then LA, releasing it the next day. Yeah. Paris, France, whatever the requirements right. are. You know, those three theaters around the world for however many weeks they're required to do it, do the bare minimum. In that regard, it's there's still exclusivity for Netflix because the majority of the movie-watching public, they don't live in those cities. Right. So they're going to watch it on Netflix first. Netflix hasn't lost many head-to-head battles yet. With anyone. Uh, the Academy kind of sees them, trying to meet them in the middle. We keep talking about that. We've had film festivals go head-to-head with Netflix. Netflix pulled certain movies from film festivals. It kind of was the story of the film festivals. They dominated the conversation. I don't think they've been necessarily a, uh, a malevolent being yet. They haven't really gone and, and tried to stake their claim as the big bad boy in the industry. I just don't know if you want to push them and, mm. and, and kind of call them to the carpet. But we'll see. Well, they uh, went at can. Right. right, they went at the can. They pushed back against the right. the whole Roma thing. Like that was in the the trades for a while. Mm-hmm. Like Quaron wanted a bigger theatrical release than he got. Now Scorsese's want a big theatrical release. Yeah, and they that's been quiet now for a reason because I think Netflix is like, no, it doesn't it's benefit not our us. Model, yeah, it doesn't. Think about, at the same time, they're buying theaters in LA. Right, but think about Netflix. Like, why would they want? these movies to have a run in theaters for right no month. i agree it doesn't make sense a thousand theaters for a month it doesn't make sense the they want they do, people to the buy subscriptions yep. and they want the majority of people to, to have their first viewing of the irishman yeah. on netflix mm-hmm. that's what they want absolutely so uh, this could become a factor mike down the line if the other guilds follow suit now we have the entire working population, all the guilds of this industry, basically putting a check on Netflix. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, is, is my, my take on it all, because it is a check and balance on Netflix models. I can be convinced, we talked about this in the pre-production here, I can be convinced that the Producers Guild sides with the Directors Guild here. I cannot see a world in which the SAG agrees to this because it seems to me that that would be limiting the exposure of their actors to actually being award-winning actors, which is only going to help the SAG brand overall, the guild there overall. And you're going to be limiting their avenues to being acclaimed award winners. Right. Which to me is, you know, it's, it's obviously not the exact parallel, the exact analogy, but to me it's kind of like how the MLB players union is never going to take back the DH rule in the American league because that would eliminate 15 more jobs. I mean, just follow the money. Right, follow the money. You have the the studio system being somewhat consolidated with 20th Century Fox becoming part of Disney. Right, so follow the money. Who's paying the most money for all these actors, actors and actresses? You have Netflix right. doing it. Yeah, Netflix is is coming on as a major power, paying a lot of people, a lot of great filmmakers and actresses and actresses, a lot of great talent, a lot of money. So of course, I agree with you. 
SAG is not necessarily thinking the same way that DJ right. is thinking here. And so, obviously, nine times out of ten, an actor has more public exposure and, and is known more well by the public than a director or a producer. Right. So if they, this ever came to a head where the SAG staunchly didn't want to do it and the PGA and the DGA staunchly did want to limit Netflix, it'd be a bad PR campaign for the latter two guilds there. And it'd be a very easy narrative of, well, the, the shot callers and the tastemakers in Hollywood, the people with all the money are just trying to hold the little guys down and hold the actors down. I think it'd just be a PR nightmare. So I'm very interested. While I agree this becomes a bigger story, if more guilds adopt the stance that the DGA just did, I think there's a, a chance here that this all blows up in their face, too, if they push it too hard. So here's the major effect that I'm going to say. Like, a couple years ago... We had movies like Mudbound. I don't know if Mudbound would have qualified under this rule or not. You know, Feinberg didn't talk about that. So bottom line is Netflix, they did the bare minimum years ago, which was less than the bare minimum now for Rona, right? Yeah. So essentially, if they go by their old model with their quote-unquote awards-worthy stuff, is Netflix okay with these movies basically going for Emmys, if they're, are they okay with Mudbound going for Emmys instead of Oscars? Are they okay with Mudbound going f- for acting awards in a limited series or drama? Because that those are categories in yeah. the DGA awards at the Emmys. Are they saying business wise, it's not worth going for Oscars for these indie films that we get a hold of, and it's not worth putting them out in four theaters for a month first or whatever they have to do? My response to that would be if Netflix was okay with just being seen as TV. We probably would have heard that as a response from them already after being attacked numerous times by Spielberg in the last couple of years. I just wonder if they get cute with it, Netflix. If Is it worth it for them to take their 10 quote-unquote shots at Oscar? I hear what you're saying, yeah. You know, and then on, instead of putting all 10 out in the theaters yeah. for a month, they'll put five of them out. Now that limits some chances at Oscars. And of course, if the WGA and more likely the PGA, Producers Guild... If either one of those follows suit, now we're talking uh, more of an effect here. Yeah, I, I just, I, I default to, I think Netflix wants to be the conversation. I don't think they want to be seen as somebody relenting to another body. I think they kind of then want again, to be yeah. everything. So I think they want the Oscars. They, I think have they want plenty the of money. Too. Right. They're the big guys in the room. And it's also a little surprising that the DGA would take shape and unanimously say that this is the new rule because you have to imagine there's a lot of people in those positions that are in bed with Netflix already. Right. So very interesting. I I would tend to think about, uh, I tend to think that Netflix is going to end up on top because Netflix usually ends up on top. So let's say for sake of argument that Mudbound comes out next year and it's going to be an awards worthy Mm -hmm. movie, but now it is stuck at the DGA's, and maybe the WGAs, maybe the uh, the uh, PGAs, maybe the Globes, maybe someone else follows suit. All right, it's stuck in the movies made for te- television and limited series category. Right. Number one, I want to make this argument now and once and for all. Okay. The fact that Big Little Lies and Escape at Danamora go head-to-head against the tale and the Wizard of Lies and, and original movies like that, to me, is just preposterous. It's a bit of a mess. You I have a nine-hour... 8-hour, 6-hour, 12-hour project, and then you have a 2-hour movie, essentially. A feature-length movie. It's the same argument that we had O.J. Made in America Mm -hmm. going against, you know, feature-length documentaries like Free Solo. Right. It's ridiculous to compare and contrast. They're not the same medium, I agree. So it's a lazy, if anything, by awards shows, 
or they're consolidating in their own right because they only have so much time for the show and they, whatever. Bottom line is, I think that if Mudbound's going for a movie made for television and limited series, it's at a disadvantage. You know, because of it's going against a twelve-hour yeah. escape from Dan. I, I think that's that's a, that's a fair argument. Um, I, I, yeah, I would I would agree. I would agree. It's at a disadvantage. I, I just can't see people wanting to piss off Netflix and John. I, I once Netflix makes it known what they want to do, if they want to compete for Oscars and Emmys separately, I think that's what they're going to do. And I think people are just going to be accepting of it. And I mean, people in the industry, people that make up these guilds. I yeah. cannot possibly see the guilds being the ones to put their foot down to Netflix because the guilds are getting money from Netflix. <laughs> I agree. At the same time, the studios consolidating yep. and forming larger and larger studios, they have stakes in the theater-going industry. Uh, no argument. Yeah, they're making, they're putting up flags on territory in the streaming business. The streaming wars yep. are coming. So... For those re- both of those reasons, they could be controlling and putting all their power behind in the guilds behind things that go against this, this for Netflix. So like, now, now we're gonna have the Oscars and the Emmys for TV, and then we're gonna have some kind of streaming awards well, for streaming properties only. Well, think about it. We have Disney essentially; they're the secret power behind the Oscars. We always argue about right. this, right? If they throw their weight behind. All their weight in a year-long campaign against Netflix movies becoming a part. They may have done so already. We don't know. Spielberg isn't now app. He's with Apple. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Well, I, I mean, saying, I, 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 it's a great counterpoint. If that's the Apple strategy and Disney strategy to just go for Emmys and to keep their businesses yeah, flourishing I, I, in it's, theaters. It's, it's a well-taken point. I just there's there's so much. At, these are the giants that run the industry right now. It makes no sense for them to battle each other. It just doesn't. It's like one of those mafia movies. Yeah, like, where war is war is right, bad for business. Right. Like it doesn't make any sense to go head to head. You there's you own the pie. It's not about pieces of the pie anymore. You know you are the pie. So unless you want to be the mon- entertainment monopoly that owns everything, which I guess Disney you can make an argument sometimes <laughs> does. To me, I just can't comprehend that battle happening. You could be entirely right, though, because there certainly are divided interests as far as one trying to keep Netflix in a box of television. I do think that Disney is trying to get more of Netflix's streaming pie. Yeah. I think Apple's trying to do the same. I don't think it's coincidence that Spielberg becomes one of the poster boys for the for Apple TV. So what's Netflix's move now? They just they, they hire every Apple. A-list... Apple Plus, right? Apple TV was a couple years ago. I think it's Apple TV Plus. I don't Apple know. Apple TV Plus. Right. We're, we're movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so does does Netflix just hire every A list director that's not Spielberg to work on one anthology project? They've been trying, right? <laughs> they've been trying. They've been, I mean, they're very smart with what they do. Yeah. They've been bringing in as many big names, and they've been bringing in as many awards worthy filmmakers as they can we haven't been complaining oh marty you're going over budget you need another 50 million in another year to work on the irishman here you go bud yeah, yeah they're they, making nice with some they've big been having cinematic level quality to yeah. their tv shows yeah. like, like stranger things mm-hmm. and then mike they've been you know basically reallocating entire genres like the rom-com genre is working at netflix it is not working in theaters agree they stole it and it's working on netflix we love watching a rom-com on netflix yeah doing a great job of them very interesting times ahead on a lot of fronts with the movie, and I think this is kind of an interesting first step. I don't think it's unexpected that it's the Directors Guild that made the first step to try to, to really take aim at Netflix here, especially considering the most outspoken critic of Netflix in the re- most recent years in Spielberg. 
the fallout, where we go from here, keep an eye on it. Very fascinating for things to come. Yeah, fascinating. We got a box office update now. Let's talk about it. I don't like where this is going either. So let's start out with the Avengers Endgame story because we didn't weigh in on it last week, yeah. Mike. You got some takes. They have a re-release. They're trying to bring down Avatar. They got deleted scenes in that re-release. I have two questions. The first one, why would this re-release go right to the Avengers Endgame box office when we've seen on Box Office Mojo other re-releases have been considered separate to their... Like, like when Star Wars gets re-released in theaters, it doesn't just go right to the 77 openings mm. box office they have That's their own separate i don't understand why this would be the exception and if you're going to make the exception just to add to avengers just give avengers the number one title now let them beat just say they beat avatar if that's what this is all about the highest grossing movie of all right time. just give it to them because who cares why why have this facade here and, and try to break rules but my second uh more more serious and more political uh, i guess or at least a uh, uh, cultural idea i don't know how you classify this <laughs> i have a problem with people we know are getting money off the back end of this movie that has made a bajillion dollars going out and campaigning and pleading for moviegoers to spend more money and see it one more time. Because to me, it just feels a little great. I get it as a point of pride. I get it. You want to, you know, Avengers Endgame wants to be the highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. They want to beat Avatar. I understand that. But it's not like they're going to just give all their money from this re-release to charity or something. Number one, if you put... Five deleted scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. Ten deleted scenes, whatever it is. New footage. Mm -hmm. And you can re-release that and make $100 million. Some people would say that's good business for the time being. Short-term good business, right? Sure. It's good business. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to make an extra $100 million worldwide, right. probably should do Why that. Why wouldn't you do it? Yep. However, what is the effect long-term? Because do people go to the theaters and they're like, do they feel gypped out? Do they feel... Like, it was not worth it. Like, that's that's what I would worry So is this going to be a shift in the movie-making industry where we're going to have re-releases that are add new stuff that I wasn't think, in there the first time? I think if fans yeah. go to this and are disappointed... Like, I don't even want to go to this. Like, all right, if you got an, a, a, another cut of the movie, maybe I'll watch it when it's on video. Do I need to go to see it for a fourth time? I already spent three times worth of tickets to go see it already. Yeah, you know, I already saw it three times. Do I need to see it a fourth time because you added 20 minutes or added a uh, different 10 minutes? Well, and also, what happens now if this becomes so commonplace that studios are going to release one cut of a movie, they hold back on the better cut to re-release it, and then you feel like you got gypped out entirely the first time you saw it, uh, To me, you're seeing the actual movie yeah, later. To me, it's rarely the better cut. Like, oh, the, I agree. I agree. I'm are, saying if this becomes common practice... What if the studios biggest hits? Yeah, what if they change their pacing? Like, what if they change their releases? They have to figure out whether it's worth it to the fans. Like, if the fans love it, then all right, good power to you. In my opinion, if the fan, like, I'm a fan that's not enthused about it, I'm not going to see it. Right, I don't need to see it. Like, if I want to see Avengers Endgame again, I'll see the one that I saw three times already. Right. It was a fun experience, but I got my fill. I'm ready for Spider-Man: Far From Home. I'm not. I'm not into that. I don't need to see 20 minutes of deleted scenes that I'm going to be able to see three months from now. I think... There's no sense of urgency for me to do that. I think to quell both our concerns, it would do a lot of good if Disney, Marvel, whoever, was saying that a portion of the profits we get from this re-release are going towards some good cause. Yeah, they could do that. I because mean, that would at least make you feel better about going to the theater in the first place. That would at least make me feel better about lining Robert Downey Jr.'s pocket a little more. To me, fans, if they feel like we do about this whole thing, if the, if it's just a shameless money grab, they should say what we're saying. Right. Now, don't go. Right. 
Right. I, I like go to St. Jude's or put the money towards a good use to make me feel like or I'm doing go something see myself. another film. Yeah. You know, put go yeah. see yesterday. Go see book smart. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. But let's talk about what happened at the box office this weekend. Toy Story 4 had another great weekend at number one. Fifty eight million dollar weekend uh, up to two thirty six two fifty nine point six in terms of its domestic versus international gross. It's so doing really well domestically. Its international is only like fifty one fifty two percent of its total gross right now, which is a little low. That's that is low. Four ninety five point six total. Do we remember a budget for this movie? Was it one sixty one seventy two hundred million around I that? I thought it was two hundred. I'm going off the top of my head there though. All right, well, so it's already broken even after whatever ten days. So that that's strong. It's going to make money. We said it was going to make money. Is it going to get to the $1.5 billion mark? No. Probably not. It's, it's not going to get that high, especially if the international... Unless the, I was going to say, unless the international booms in week three. Yeah, Mike, so. I didn't look at all the markets that came out in already. Annabelle Comes Home did strong business, 31.2. I'm so confused how we tabulate this, because it says its weekend opening weekend numbers was $20 million. Right. But its total domestic gross right now is thirty one, and I know it's been a, it came out on a Tuesday, yep. so it's a five day gross. But it's still twenty million is far and away the lowest opening for any Annabelle movie, any Conjuring movie for that matter. But thirty one, it's still the lowest, but it puts it in the ballpark. The second Annabelle movie opened at like thirty five, I want to say. Well, it made forty five million overseas, mm-hmm. so that's a what seventy six, seventy five. Yeah, it's doing well. I could do math, so that that's. Strong. I mean, how much was the budget? It couldn't have been more than $20 million, all I was going to say, it has to be something like that. Thirty, Maybe 35 yeah, we, in the top end. We don't know the yeah. budget, but strong performance, I would think. I mean, maybe they, again, maybe they want these movies to do 50-plus, and they're banking on them doing 50-plus because all their other projects didn't come out and do well. We've said that a couple times. I think it's worth repeating. But for us, just outside looking in, that's a strong week yep. for Annabelle Comes Home. Yesterday did $17 million uh, and then seven overseas for $24 million on a $26 million budget. Yeah, this is something that's not going to make money. It's gotten mixed reviews. There's people I've seen that were very happy with it and think it's a great way to honor the Beatles songs. And there's people that think it's kind of a cheap ploy and aren't thrilled about it. Its Metascore has gone up from when we first reported about it. It's still not great. It's like a 55 right now as of recording. It does have a 7.0 on IMDb. That usually sevens and high sevens are where we talk about great movies. So I think this is just kind of something that exists. It does a little more than exists. Okay. It's third at the box office. I think it's on track to make its money back, I would say. You think so? You think it's going to have legs like that? I think it's going to have a chance at legs because of this new program from AMC, Mike. It's this artisan program. Basically, they're going to leave... about this. Yeah, they're going to leave mid, mid-budget movies in theaters for longer and on reduced rates. So they're going to give you deals on the tickets. I have the AMC A-list passed. And I've been frustrated in recent weeks because we're very busy yes. between life and podcasting. And we did two rewatches. And a couple of the movies that I wanted to see, probably would have seen, right. were poof, gone in two weeks. Mm-hmm. They were in AMC for two weeks and then they're gone. And maybe they're still in a, the city theater where we got to drive 50 minutes right. away to go see it. We, we do that during Oscar season. Sure. When it's not Oscar season, I kind of, I'm patient. And I'll wait for that to come on VOD, and I'll spend $4 on it. Right. Or I'll wait for Amazon Netflix. So now, if I can do a double feature and see Yesterday and Child's Play next week when we have time, I'll probably do it. Might not do it yet. I think it's a great program and a great idea. Uh, And I I, I co-sign it. It sounds like that A-list is really a smart investment on your part. 
Yeah, and then again, I haven't used it in like a <laughs> month or so. Smart but investment on AMC. I'm trying to too. rationalize <laughs> using it more. And artisan program would help. I mean, it really would. Even to just see like midsummer, like four weeks after its initial, you know, because I'm going to see it next week. Right. But then I'll see it a, a couple weeks from now if it's still out there. But it wouldn't have been out there if it's doing middling business. Because they only play the freaking hits. I don't know. How about Aladdin being fourth at the box office, or at least estimated to be fourth at the box office? It's been in the top... This is going to be its first week out of the top three. Yeah. And it's been in the top four all six weeks of its run for a movie that looked like garbage. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know I'm wrong. I bring it up every week. But God, I did not think this movie had the kinds of legs it did. It's nearing in. It's it's probably not going to get to a billion. 874 total worldwide gross. I think it's going to fall short. I hope. <laughs> John Wick Parabellum just caught, crossed the $300 million worldwide mark, Mike. That yeah. is f- five, almost $600 million short of what Aladdin has done and how much love has gone John Wick's yeah. way. So much more love. Yeah, a lot. Absolutely true. Last nugget here with her box office is that Spider-Man Far From Home grossed $111 million in three markets, including China, this weekend. So that's off to a promising start. I don't think it did quite as well as Homecoming, though. Do you think there's going to be some... We haven't seen it yet. We're planning on reviewing Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's going to be some crossover to the into the Spider-Verse that Sony did? That could be fun. Like if there was uh, Miles and Morales. That's in how they're going to get Peter Parker, or the Spider-Man property, back to Sony. Because we know the MC, the original Marvel deal, only calls for, I think, one more movie for Spider-Man before the rights revert back to Sony. It's supposed to have some shocking elements. Yeah. It's supposed to be one of those. Everybody plots. that's seen this already is laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's going to be a shark and we're going to jump over it? Let's go into some trailer thoughts. Trailer. So the first trailer today is Charlie's Angels. This is co-starring, co-written, and directed by Elizabeth Banks. She's had a terrific career as an actress. She's also gone behind the camera for some hits like the Pitch Perfect films. Mm. Uh, we have Naomi Scott, Kristen Stewart, Noah Centineo, Mr. Netflix there. Yeah, he's everywhere now. Patrick Stewart. Uh, no relation to Kristen, I don't think. <laughs> Why is Patrick Stewart in this? I don't know. I assume he's Charlie. Is he Charlie? I would think, but I didn't recognize. You never the voice. see Charlie. I did not recognize the voice of Charlie when they had it at the end right. of the trailer. I think I would have recognized if it, it if it was Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Hey, so if he's not Charlie, what the hell is he doing here? I don't know. Maybe it's a Star Trek crossover. All right. So what did you think of the trailer? I love Kristen Stewart as a badass ass kicker. I think that's the most exciting part of the trailer. The second most exciting part to me was Bonnie McKee's "Bombastic" because I love that song. Okay. That plays for a couple beats. Action looked great in this trailer. I thought. I thought the dialogue is pretty bad. Who are you? I'm Bosley. Come on. I didn't have a problem Ugh. with that to be honest because you're introducing it to a whole new generation. They got to know the characters going into it. Yeah, but you're basically the telling the older generation, "Oh, here's Bosley." This isn't for the older generation. <laughs> it doesn't look like <laughs> no. it at all, right? Yeah. It felt like five mini trailers in a yeah. way too. Like, yeah. all right, and, here's and this the sequence. sound was all over the place. Yeah. There was a bunch of songs like "Bombastic." I wanted to get into, and they played it for literally. Five seconds, and then they went to a new yeah. song. And here's the Noah Centineo right. little vignette of this trailer. Here's the, you know, the shopping thing. Here's the action part. Here's the this. Here's the that. I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful. Anytime we have 
a, a, a ass-kicking female story to tell. Yeah. I hope it does well. It's going to be like office. a PG version of that. It's not. This is not Kill Bill. No, it's it's not not probably be. not even Atomic Blonde. But it looked good. Yeah. I, I, this movie's not made for us. I'll see. Is it? I, I mean, I, I, I'm. I want Kristen Stewart to just make every dollar possible. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> as high on the trailer as you are. All right, we have the Good Liar now, Mike, which is Oscar worthy according to many. I didn't watch this thinking this was an Oscar movie, but you're going to get into saying some other sites do, and it's a little surprising for me to hear, but am I the only one here that thinks this film uh, is going to be tailor-made for a double turn? Like, clearly yeah. the trailer <laughs> wants us to think that Ian yeah. McKellen is up to no good, yep. and then we watch the movie, and it's actually Helen Mirren who was behind it all, all along. Now, we've seen double turns go to movies that are like... I don't, I don't want to mention them, but the, the <laughs> Ashley Judd movies of the late 90s, right? right? right. You have those movies. Right. And then you have movies like, quote-unquote, Sleuth, which you know is a double-turn property. Right. And you, these are greatly, widely respected theatrical performances, and they're you know, something that have, uh, contend for award. Yeah, movies like that, right? Right. This could go either way. We do have Ian McKellen acting up a storm here. I It has to be a double-turn because otherwise... Anybody else would play the <laughs> Helen Mirren part. If it's Helen Mirren, she's gonna have she's agency. She's there for a reason. Yeah, she's not is. just gonna be this ditzy woman's like, oh yes, this Ian McKellen is so charming. I would have loved to End see Helen movie. Mirren be one of the angels in Charlie's Angels with Kristen Stewart and just see yeah. her kick ass like she did in I think it was Red Two. Was she in that kicking ass? I think I'm not positive, but but if El- Helen Mirren just is a sucker, if she's just a mark, and at the end of the movie she loses her money. Why was she cast? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, Twilight also is running wild over these first two trailers because we have Stewart as the former lead from Twilight in the movie before. And this movie is directed by Bill Condon, who was the director of Breaking Dawn's parts one and two. And I would say because of that, and this is a bit of a generalization on my part, so it's probably uh, no good for me to, to even think, but because I saw it was a Twilight director, I'm surprised to hear the Oscar legs that this one apparently has. Well, the Oscar lens is t- looking at the performances right now. You have Ian McKellen rated in the number one spot on Clayton Davis's best actor list right now. And he's doing a nice job in this trailer, but number one spot, that's something. I think that's more of a credit to the lack of awards-worthy movies we've had in the first half of 2019. Right. But that said, if he, if Ian McKellen can get into the Oscar race for Best Actor based on this performance, that's exciting stuff, and hopefully it merits it. Helen Mirren is in the seven spot right now. But, you know, I'm looking at Bill Condon's uh, filmography. He's got the Twilight movies there, yes. But he also has Dreamgirls and Kinsey and Gods and Monsters. These are films that have been in the award season conversations in the past. So he could get there. Makes you wonder how he got the Twilight Breaking Dawn two-parter because why was the guy from Gods and Monsters given the Twilight series? Gods and Monsters and Kinsey. Here's the two-part action romance spectacular. Yeah, man, if we were around back then. Mike, uh, Midway. Uh, the Midway trailer. Pearl Harbor 2, Dunkirk edition. Yeah, it looks pretty good, though. I disagree. Wise. I disagree. I don't think this this is a generic action war movie to me. It's right. a nice score. There's some decent visuals. but You have the better laptop. I have a Chromebook. You have, <laughs> okay. an, you have a MacBook Pro. Fair. I break my laptops often, so I buy cheap ones. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm saving up for a new laptop. Right now, I watched this on my. I have a bigger screen than yours. Uh-huh. You do. I watched it the other day outside on the deck. Yeah. And I thought it looked spectacular. 
I there's and I didn't want to like it. There's nothing I saw in this that I wasn't done ten times better in any Dunkirk preview or trailer. Dun- Dunkirk looked unique. It looked like a sure. Nolan film, but this looked like a heavy VFX, you know, spectacle. I thought they made it. It reminded better. me of the visuals from Pearl Harbor from way back in like two thousand. I, I I don't know. But you could be right. Maybe you are. I've not. I'm, I'm not a Roland Emmerich fan. I don't think any of us are anymore. Uh, for for good since reason. Since when? Since Independence Day and the Patriot, right? The, he can't. He had that era where he came out with a couple good ones. Yeah, but like, why does he keep getting money? He keeps getting these these big budgets and returns pedantic critic scores and not great box office returns. Yeah, and yet he keeps get getting ninety five million, one hundred twenty million. He keeps getting this huge budget to make all these films with. There's a lot of sinister theories on this. He's been in the yeah. news with all the Brian Singer parties now. Obviously. The, nothing's come out on Emmerich that I, that we know of. Yeah, but, not that I've uh, read anyway. He's hosted parties where Brian Singer's allegedly abused people. Yeah. And he's in that crowd where they had underage boys at the party. Ugh. So it, it, he's his name pops up in that expose sure. that we covered a while back. Now, going into this trailer, I'm thinking of him, and I'm just like, ugh, do I have to like a movie that he's at the head of? He might be one of those dubious, nefarious figures. I didn't want to like it, and yeah, I like this trailer. So, you you tend to be more accepting of war goods too in high action war movies. Yeah. They, they, they they tend to speak well to you usually. I thought I thought this was a kick ass trailer yeah. in, that, in that regard. There's a lot of action in it. I mean, I can I could see I the appeal. I thought it's a good cast. I mean, we got some some really fine actors in here. And if you want to talk about a good cast and fine actors, let's talk about the last look at Hobbs and Shaw, baby. <laughs> last look. <laughs> We're so in for this movie, this, aren't we? I, I my only regret is that it doesn't look like they'll get into space. That's my only regret about this movie is that it should be Rock and Statham fighting Idris Elba in space. They literally do two things that Ad Astra's trailer did to Brad Pitt. Like Ad, Brad Pitt's falling to Earth at terminal velocity. The Rock should be dead twice. Preposterous, preposterous movie character that this man is allowed to exist. In, I mean, you want to talk about, we talk about during our Tarantino rewatches, the movie movie characters who are only characters that exist in screen. This is a movie movie character because this man could not exist in reality. I mean, it looks like he <laughs> takes the bad guys with him in one scene. Like, if I'm going to die, you're going coming with me. And they all fly off a cliff. He's just, I think his character is based on testosterone injections. Like, that's the, the, the genesis of this character that he's playing. They're here. doing shit from the prologue of the other guys, Mike. But how simple tra- are we? Like, it yeah, works, we love, right? We love the one-liners, I laughed at all of them because I'm a, a shill. How many <laughs> trailers of different one-liners are we getting? This is like the third. <laughs> true. So we have a ton of great one-liners. Yeah. I hope it's not all of them. Just give me, like, three more in the actual <laughs> You'll movie. You'll be good. I'm great. I'm great with that. That's like nine awesome one-liners banter between those two idiots. It's all. Also, kind of refreshing, we have this gigantic dick measuring contest between our two main protagonists, and then the antagonist is going to come in with a dick measuring contest too, but there seems to be a concerted effort, and I don't know if this goes to David Leach, who's the director, if it goes to Chris Morgan, Drew Pierce, who are kind of the, the writers on this as well, but... There's a concerted effort to make this about Vanessa Kirby, which I appreciate. She was awesome in Fallout. She yeah. just looks awesome here. I mean, she's kicking ass in the trailer. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I... <laughs> Give this Oscars. <laughs> it really looks like a great trailer, though. All right, so the current war. This was supposed to be an Oscar movie literally two years ago. The in 2017. first, I think the... 
2018, maybe. No, no, you're right. Yeah, the first trailer for this came out in 2017. I'm pretty sure this is a two years yeah. ago shelved project. It is. It, After the Weinstein yep. Company, what happened to them happened. I'm pretty sure it debuted in Toronto at the TIFF at 2017 as well. Or what they caused the Weinstein Company. Mm. But yeah, I mean, this debuted at film festivals at TIFF. It, 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 trailers came out years ago. Mm-hmm. We got actors that amazingly are still in their prime, like Holt and Holland and Cumberbatch and Shannon. Holland's profile has only risen. Yeah, so we have four actors who are really as hot as anybody right now or whatever. In terms of award season, they look like award season actors. Mm -hmm. Shannon, Holt, especially after the last last award season. This is coming out to very little fanfare. I'm not in love with the sets. All right, you got this crazy power struggle, true story between Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, Wes Morehouse that company etc yeah performances look big but then it's just it's almost like they didn't finish like the visual effects i don't know what's going on slash film had a good write-up about this and they were saying basically that harvey weinstein himself wasn't happy with it when they were gonna when miramax was gonna release it he was personally re-editing some shots and it pissed off the director the director didn't think it was ready to present it tiff even so now that the weinstein company didn't put it out because of all the controversy that went on the director was able to re-edit it himself and this is supposed to be the version he's happy with i don't think this is going to be anything with awards legs yeah i'm not even sure if it actually could be because of, but uh, toronto's canada so i don't know if that would count as debuting in america but regardless you're right kind of cool to see these this ensemble cast they do seem to be acting their butts off a lot of them but i don't think this has any kind of awards legs behind it no not gonna happen bond 25 mike we got a first look jamaica is beautiful cool, cool music great music yeah there's daniel craig that's all i've got for it really. that's all there is like this, <laughs> this there's just a cool there's like a jamaican song playing over some of these visuals that are on set from bond that shows us literally not there's no other actor even featured except for daniel craig so, talking to the director a couple times first look yeah. there's, there's so. daniel craig walking Still in good I, I, I want that. Can you like, imagine if he was really fat? We would love that. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Like Bond twenty five, it's just James Bond finally gets a break. Like he's just on vacation, enjoying a mai tai and stuff. Rom com, right? <laughs> that would be. I would sign up for that. It'd be a colossal money loser, but I would appreciate it. That would really be funny. Like. If- it, it's just a gag throughout the movie. Like, you think he's going to get caught up into a evil like, plot. Like, bad guys try to, like, hunt him down, and they keep tripping and firing the gun on themselves, and they get, like, that, I would like that. Oh, I love that. I would love that. Make that movie immediately. But it has to be the real James Of course, Bond. of course, yes. yes. <laughs> it has to be called, yeah, Bond 25. He has all, we have this large tutorial of all these weapons that his car has, like, all these new chic, and he just doesn't use any of them, because there's no need. He's just there to drink Mai Tais and sleep long. It's just just blatant product placement <laughs> for like regular things that regular people can enjoy yeah. like this cup holder or but that. off color things like it's not pepsi he's just drinking rc cola the whole time yeah vintage vintage 80s bond, bond 25 all right let's get into some audience interaction stuff we changed up six degrees of mmo farting last week this is our second week doing it this way we are only giving out three awards we are recognizing three entries into the six degrees of mmo universe we have the efficiency award we have the David Lynch Award and the overall winner. The Efficiency Award, of course, means the quickest. We are highlighting the quickest chain between our two characters from Six Degrees of MMO, the challenge that we introduced. We have the David Lynch Award, which is the most WTF, off-the-wall, batshit nutso entry. And then we have the overall winner. What was the challenge this week, Michael? All right, the challenge was Chucky to Annabelle. 
Child's Play to the new Annabelle Comes Home movie through Keanu Reeves <laughs> because this. he's just having such a moment. Like, right. I don't know why I did this, but we did this. Perhaps I'm just a shameless promoter at heart. <laughs> Probably. Probably speaks well to either one of us, yes. But let's talk about the six degrees of MMO challenge. Chucky to Annabelle going through. Keanu Reeves. Mike, who won the efficiency award this week? It's the Cinema Guys. Da, 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 da. At the Cinema Guys, uh, spelled out, uh, sounds like it spells, Child's Play was directed by Tom Holland, who has the same name as the current Spider-Man actor. Like that. Spider-Man is a Marvel property, and Marvel really wants Keanu Reeves in a movie. <laughs> it's true. Keanu starred in The Replacements, where his love interest was named Annabelle. That's great. It's like four, right? On a couple levels, because it's absurd. <laughs> the links barely, it could be barely exist. Like, these three winners this week, yeah. could, you, you could exchange all... These are very, very awards. worthy. You're absolutely They're right. All very, very worthy They're all Lynchian. So, all right. So, this is... A, what's David Lynch's shortest film? Was it the first one? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you stop to look it up here. Okay, so I looked up Eraser Head, and it's an hour and 29 minutes. So this is the Eraser Head Award, the Eraser Head <laughs> Efficiency Award this week. Uh, Mike, you have the David Lynch Award, yeah. which I'm going to look up while you read it and give him a movie title. <laughs> okay, very good. It goes to Mark Burgundy, frequent flyer here as well, at the one Hanson, H-A-N-S-E-N. Chucky? This speaks to my heart, and I really appreciated this as soon as he did it. And I can even tell you what it was in promotion for. Chucky appeared in WCW Nitro mm. alongside Gene Okerlund. What he doesn't have is Gene Oakland was in the ring interviewing Rick Steiner during this segment, and then Chucky came on the screen, and Rick Steiner was in the unenviable position of basically having to challenge this animatronic doll to a fight, which never happened, thankfully. So where does his six degrees of MMO end and your self-indulgent rant begin? What, what? It's one and the same. Uh, Chucky appeared in WCW Nitro alongside Gene Oakland, who was in a Mountain Dew commercial with Kevin Hart, who was in Captain Underpants with Jordan Peele, obviously in Keanu, with Keanu Reeves, who was in The Bad Batch with Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman, which has an Easter egg cameo by the Annabelle doll. Yeah, so the Mountain Dew commercial, the Nitro appearance, and the Easter egg cameo <laughs> by an Annabelle doll in the Aquaman movie. Very, very well those, done. Those are three Lynchian-like references. None of them seem to mesh, but they all somehow do. Yeah, so that's off the wall. <laughs> A worthy wall. Lynchian winner. I'm going to say it is like the three acts of Blue Velvet, but I think Wild at Heart's <laughs> crazier, Lost Highway's definitely crazier. But if he only had two big things, I would say Inland Empire or Lost Highway, because there's like two distinct portions. That's fair. Yeah, movies. I would agree with that. I think That's Blue nice... Velvet's got like a three That's act a nice structure. break. Yeah, it does. That's a nice breakdown by you. Mm. Good job. Swamp Thing is our winner this week. This is at Wojcik Weisher Mike. He did two entries that are phenomenal. Yeah, I'll the, first the first one, one is outstanding. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres lived in the apartment used in the film Annabelle. Right that there. That can't be true. Right there. Yeah, he could totally just be BSing. We don't care. It's, it's entertaining to us. Fine. During his first appearance at the Ellen DeGeneres show, Keanu Reeves admitted that he had a crush on Sandra Bullock. Again, no way to check it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't if we wanted to. Reeves' second... Name is Charles, his middle name. 
just like the human form of Chucky. <laughs> Smiley face. Big assumption there that to end with, which is why I appreciate it. Wojciech uh, also had a second entry that we appreciated. Annabelle movie star Annabelle Wallace was in Body of Lies with Russell Crowe. Yep. One of Crowe's groomsmen, no way. Robert Mamone, appeared in the Matrix series with Keanu Reeves, who was considered as Aragorn for the Lord of the Rings That's trilogy, right. which contained a character portrayed by Brad Dorif, a.k.a. the voice of Chucky. What an outstanding job by Wojciech this week. Worm tongue. <laughs> he always, a worm tongue. Wojciech always brings the heat. He's, he's, he's one of those Hall of Famers along the lines of Nevis Ben and, and the others that we've highlighted right. here. Really doing a great job, but he's the winner this week. This win today was so impressive that he might be getting into Nevis Ben status. <laughs> like, Neb, if you're out there, man, Ben. People are knocking on your door. I know you're trying to do other things, but... Uh, <laughs> Wojcik is crushing it lately. Two t- he's got two winning examples here today, and both of them are equally worthy. He gets all the bragging rights for six degrees of MMO this week. He gets to sit on our hashtag Iron Throne made of rusty hangers, painted light blue. Probably got some pinwheels on either side of it, so when the wind blows, they spin, because that's fun for me. Because the Red Keep is somehow has, has no roof? Yeah. <laughs> just gonna keep adding just every week one ridiculous thing, yes. stupid thing yeah. so this roofless palace i'm hoping this actually com- provides a screenplay for us <laughs> you are the winner this week void check swamp thing aka swamp thing i should say of all things six degrees of mmo bragging rights worthy michael do we have a challenge for the nice people for this week okay we just thought about this, this. is ridiculous this is evil <laughs> this is evil and it's wrong to do to you people mm-hmm. we're gonna Tom Holland's in Spider-Man, right? Yep. Far From Home comes out this week. Ari Aster, director of... uh, Midsommar comes out this week. We like going actor to director. But there's also some news in the Do You Care section (laughs) about a troop of actors, little-known actors, playing in uh, the investigation about the Mueller report. (laughs) So we're going to say you got to go from Tom Holland to Ari Aster through the Mueller report. (laughs) Through the Mueller report. (laughs) That should be interesting. We're such idiots. Well, you guys have been very creative thus far. I have no doubt you're going to accomplish this. They will do it. But I can't wait to see where this goes. They're doing this so easy. Like, Wojcik's got it done right now. (laughs) Nebus Ben is fired up. He's so ready. He's going to have it done in 10 minutes. Let's see what you guys come up with. That is our Six Degrees of MMO segment for this week and your challenge for next week. We also had an MMO Ask Questions in honor of our Six Degrees challenge this week, Mike. We were asking, who's going to win a fight between Chucky and Anna? the two evil dolls in cinematic history going toe-to-toe. Yeah, I figured, all right, I wanted our fans to just weigh in, and they did not disappoint. <laughs> Ryan L. Terry said, all Chucky has to do is hang a sign on the church glass that reads, quote, free souls this way, unquote, and then lock her in it. I don't appreciate the jab at Annabelle's intelligence he's taking there. <laughs> The Film Flamers, a horror movie podcast at The Film Flamers. And Annabelle is a beacon to both spirits and demons, not to mention controlled by a superpowered demon. Chucky doesn't stand a chance. This is how I feel about this question. Yeah, like the first five or six answers were all Chucky. Like really? Everybody was coming at me with Chucky, Chucky, Chucky. And then the flam- Film Flamers were one of the first Annabelle, pro-Annabelle people here. So I was To point to out that it. he's an actual doll that can't really move. <laughs> <laughs> Colby back at Colby Tolby says, not this, Chuck. <laughs> As I have not seen the new movie, give me Charles Lee Ray over Annabelle. Because uh, that MF was bonkers, feisty, and straight gangster. So Colby's going to take an actual human serial killer over... You know, the devil. 
makes some sense. <laughs> epic film guys at epic film guys. That rickety animatronic pile of dog shit wouldn't stand up against a strong breeze, let alone a possessed <laughs> demon doll. That heap of shit Chucky can barely even shamble on those shitty robot legs he's wobbling on. So he picked Chucky? Yeah, I think he went with Chucky on this one. <laughs> the new Chucky, right? All right, so the Vern at Video Vanguard says old school Chucky would rip both to shreds and have a catchphrase too. <laughs> it would be interesting if Chucky actually got close enough to the Annabelle doll. If Chucky gets his hands on the Annabelle doll, then I agree. Hand-to-hand, close-quarter combat, Chucky's probably winning that fight. But it's just if Annabelle lets Chucky get close to her physically. Yeah, because if you pick up Annabelle, you she doesn't stop you. <laughs> That's true, too. So, yeah, so she doesn't she really had, have a great defense, no, a force field you're mechanism. Right. Yeah. Once you're past the force field, they're past the... Yeah, if you can get past Satan. <laughs> right. That's true. She does have the, the, the demon or whatever that could grab you. But the demon's got to, like, get you to ask for the demon going in. Like, but Chucky's been doing that. Chucky's been... Maybe it is a more fair fight than I thought, yeah. because Chucky is... Well, the new Chucky isn't possessed, though. The, but the new... All right, fine. The old Chucky... Right. The old Chucky has gone much further down the <laughs> ask the evil side for right. help path than any one babysitter who walks in a room and says, if there's a presence here, <laughs> let it be known. Maybe that's going to be a good new Annabelle movie. We have actual evil forces trying to get their hands on the doll, and huh. the doll needs to defend herself, turning her into a protagonist. There I would see go. that movie. There you go. Also, any movie. Dr. Mantis Toboggan, MD, at Jobinator, equally fantastic <laughs> names, J-O-B-I-N-A-T-O-R, Mantis Toboggan. <laughs> one is possessed, and one is now just defective. Let me do the math, and that's how I think we land on this. Yes, the new Chucky is a great idea, but it's not possessed anymore. It's an AI problem. All this being said, this is total misconception of our thread because most people voted Chucky. I can't believe that. I just put it, I, I put it one back and forth, and then we reviewed Animal, gosh darn it. So I ended with an Animal. Like they say in sports, Mike, that's why they play the games, and the games aren't played on paper. Right. <laughs> They're played so we can manipulate them. Yes. And perception is reality, <laughs> and therefore we now say Annabelle is on equal footing as Chucky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about what we're watching, Michael. That's what we're watching. Go for it. The Mustang, Matthew Schoenarts, is a prisoner. He is a violent crime offender. That actor is awesome in this. He has a great performance. Now, it's probably more top 20 worthy than top 10 or 5 worthy. Maybe it'll be top 15 at the end of the day. Tough film to grapple with because he does tell a story about beating somebody up and making them a vegetable, essentially. Mm. And it's terrifying and it's... You have Jason Mitchell in here. He's been in the news for Mm. doing some terrible things, allegedly. So we're asked to go on this journey of rehabilitation, and we're given some behind-the-scenes stuff at the psychologists at work. And this program, where basically the prisoners work with horses, they take Mustangs, and they make the Mustangs, you know, usable, essentially, from being wild to usable. They tame Mustangs. This program has been... You know, statistically proven to work. So hmm. it's real life here that's being dramatized. I thought the movie really worked. I, I really enjoyed it. Why do we have one independent film per year that wants to have Oscar aspirations involving a horse? You, I said all of that. There's <laughs> highs and lows. There's a wave. There's a wave of movie criticism. I really took you on yeah. a journey. Yeah. And you just can't get past that there's a fucking horse in this movie. You could have recited... <laughs> 
the Declaration of Independence in your review here. <laughs> and you just and I sick. was landing where I landed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mike, I watched Reversal of Fortune, which is a 1980s Glenn Close versus Jeremy Irons movie. We talked kind of about this battle one not of too wits. long ago. Now, I don't, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there's a movie have. about lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is about a court case. It's a famous court case. It's a true court case. I think they had a checklist of legalese terminology that they basically wanted to work through as buzzwords in one scene or another. Contempt, yes. Torts. There's also the worst basketball I have ever seen. (laughs) And we did a basketball movie review. Yeah. uh, Overview. Yeah. Every basketball movie. Covering basketball in movies. Ever made. Yeah. This has the worst. (laughs) This has the worst basketball I've ever seen in my entire life because it's a bunch of goofy-ass nerd lawyers playing basketball. It always boggled my mind how the the directors and actors were okay letting awful-looking sports get to film in, like, these 80s and 90s movies. It's terrible. Like, Angels in the Outfields has some of the worst swings I've ever seen in a baseball-related anything ever. And he's got, like, mid-thigh-high jean shorts. That's that's his, that's what he's playing That's with. his go-to. Give me the rock. I think that's a quote from the movie right there, too. It's it's terrible. All that being said, the movie's okay. It's very watchable. I, I, Aside I wanted from the, uh, the absurd basketball Long song, day huh? at work yesterday, and I wanted to just go to sleep, and I ended up staying up watching it. All right. Joe Coy, coming in hot, new Netflix special, comedy special there. He's funnier in previous specials, but he totally got me going after a slow start. Whenever he talks about his mother, yeah. which is his go-to. That's been his go-to for years now. It is really funny. And then he also does 15 minutes to close the show on his son. Oh. His 15-year-old son. That absolutely killed me. So, a little slow starter, but once he got talking about his family, it was really funny. This is a Netflix one? Netflix special. Right. Joe Coy out in Hawaii there. Always Be My Maybe. I rewatched it. Funnier than I remembered. Uh, you rewatched this? I did. Next Netflix and chill. I think it was probably Dan. He was talking to me on Twitter. He's like, what do you remember to force you to rewatch it other than the Keanu scene? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 10 minutes in. I laughed at three different things already. So I it's was glad I rewatched it. We have these movies that we just like as background noise and just we'll put it on. Like I, I've put on the Halloween movie from 2018. Right. I can't even tell you how many times this week just to have it on. No, I was totally just writing show notes for an episode or whatever, making a collage <laughs> yeah. that for an episode. You just wanted background noise. And I wanted background. Yeah. But I ended up looking up and like freaking Paul Shear. It's got one look and one line and one scene, and he kills it. It, ki- it killed me. I'm dying laughing. So the the movie's great. It's I don't know if it's great, but it's good. It's so good, and it's such a pleasant surprise that it's greatness. Good. All right. This is Spinal Tap. Still very funny. I like the music much less. This is another one I tried to fall asleep to, and that's a, such a dumb decision. Like this, like a couple I, I would ago. imagine it'd be impossible to fall asleep to this is Spinal Tap. Impossible. Yeah. What am I doing late at night? <laughs> anyway, I, I guess I have to like it. I'm born in 1984. The movie came out in 1984. I, I like the gags. The gags are funny stuff. Let's talk about some C by Skip for stuff you did. The new stuff we'll do. The Mustang, Reversal of Fortune, and Joe Coy coming in hot. C by Skip, each one of those, Michael. All right. I'm not rewatching Reversal of Fortune. <laughs> no, not even for some basketball like, pointers? <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I'm buying the Mustang. Oh, and okay. I'm seeing Joe Coy again because I would like to show pe- people that comedy special because right. there's like two really funny bits in there. I do enjoy Joe Coy. I have to go check that out for myself. Uh, what about what is the best thing you saw this week? The 
best... Was it the Knicks turning down a Chris Paul trade? All right, look, it's NBA <laughs> coverage by The Ringer once again. Just all their coverage. I watched the NBA They're desktops. I went back and I watched all the J- uh, Jason Concepcion NBA desktops. They're awesome. Another hardcore Knicks fan. Yeah, I mean, through the internet... Jason, we're clasping hands <laughs> like Predator 1. I hope something happens for us. That you son of a bitch. Can change the, our fortunes. A reversal of fortune, you might say. Yeah, you wear oh, the same shorts. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I got to wear those shorts. No, fuck. Mike, what did you watch this week? I watched the Snowdown. They had their big summer pay-per-view equivalent event, uh, Collision 3, four great matches. I love the whole concept of that show and the execution it if you enjoy movie trivia or bar trivia at all and i know a lot of you in film twitter do really go check out it's on the schmoes no channel s-c-h-m-o-e-s-k-n-o-w it's on youtube they put their all into these things and it's just impressive and their personalities that we that you get along with we had ken knapsack on the show we were lucky enough to talk to him interview him about his why we love star wars book he's a big part of the schmodown he drops i actually reached out to him on instagram yesterday because he drops during one of the post-match promos he drops a kevin moss reference (laughs) just like it like it's something you talk about every day i just hope rj barrett's not kevin moss (laughs) Right, yeah. I was dying laughing when I, I, I had to reach out to him. I'm like, I wanted to kiss my hands like a chef once you were done with that. That was a beautiful job. But definitely go check out The Schmoes No. If you're into movie trivia, that was a great. They always put on great shows. Excellent. Uh, really like that. I rewatched The Departed for probably the first time since I saw it in college. Yeah. Leo is a total baby face. I mean, a, a young-looking kid. And I know it's 2006, which is 13 years ago already. Gulp. But he looks like a he's fresh out of the womb in this freaking movie. He looks young. Yeah. Is it possible he's got the fourth or fifth best performance in this movie? No. You don't I think thought so? he was great. Like, I, I I, he is. It. No, he is great. I haven't seen it in ten years, to be honest, or maybe five years. I can't remember the last time I watched it. But he, I remember him being awesome to the point where I was super upset that he didn't win the Oscar. Man, you know, he is great. I, I agree. Matt Damon, this might be his best performance ever. Really? And this might be Mark Wahlberg's best performance ever, too. Not to say Mark Wahlberg outdid Leo. Here's what I'll say who did outdo Leo. If you have a character in any movie that you need to be on screen for a total of 10 minutes or less, just hire Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin <laughs> steals every scene he is in as long as that scene is a minute and a half or less. So Alec Baldwin wins the Eraserhead Efficiency Award. <laughs> On a couple levels, yes. Because he's a <laughs> lunatic as well. But he he is stunning in The Departed. I do not remember him at all going into it. And I, I, I couldn't get enough of him. I just, I just wanted remember more. him like, Patriot Act. <laughs> <laughs> I love this thing. Yeah. Oh, it, and, of course, this is The Departed is a wonderful Scorsese movie. It might be turning into my favorite Scorsese movie that's not Goodfellas. I, I, I enjoyed the watch. It was Hey, I got a hot take for you right now. I like The Departed more than Goodfellas. Really? I, I love The Departed. I thought that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, it's like in my top 15. I 20. get so offended when people are like, well, it's not Scorsese's best. Well, okay, I don't think it is. You say it is. But it's not to say that it's like he won the award because it was just a Lifetime Achievement Award at that point. Addictive. That it's, movie was I great. I watch that movie on loop. Yeah, I did. Agree. Back in the dorm rooms, we did. Agree. Even we though like Jack Nicholson's accent, let's relax. Yeah, I would agree with that much. <laughs> he also, another stellar performance from that movie. So I do think Leo may have been, for me anyway, 
third or fourth in the rankings as terms as great performances in that movie, in a movie full of great performances. Let's talk about a movie that doesn't have great performances. Doesn't have great performances? Chaz Palminteri and Robert De Niro are awesome. They're awesome. Chaz Palminteri especially. They're great in A Brock's Tale. Yeah. This movie's not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that's sacrilege. I expect to be taken out by the mob at some point soon, but this movie is not good. I watched it for the first... I don't think I've ever seen it. I put it on just on a whim yesterday. Yeah. I watched it, gave it my full attention... It's not a great movie by any means. I mean, the scenes where Palm and Terry is on is on in talking, he's dominating the scenes, and any scene with the Nero on him talking dominating the scenes. But the scenes with the kid, the scenes with his mother, there's so much bad acting going on in this film, all his friends, and there's some gigantic holes and leaps to conclusions in the way these characters think. I was shocked by how much I disliked this movie. I would be shocked if I disliked it. I would be shocked if you disliked it as well. I have not seen that movie in 15 years, maybe, since I was 20 years old, something like that. Remember, it's one of the movies you watch in college. Right. With your your goofy friends. Now, here's a story for you. Go ahead. We're at Little Italy restaurant, pizza restaurant. The bathrooms there are very, very small. And there's only like one tiny door Mm -hmm. it looks like a door to uh the chronicles of narnia (laughs) okay when you go to these little pizza shops Mm -hmm. in little italy in new york so i'm just doing a peepee i'm quick (laughs) okay i'm quick Uh i got all my friends at the table i just go to the back i do a quick peepee mid mid stream bang 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 on the door i'm like what the hell's going on all right, I'm just washing my hands. I'm quick. Right. I'm less than a minute. Bang again <laughs> on the door. I'm going to fight this guy. Yeah. All right, I'm probably not going to fight him because I'm a nerd, but I'm like going to be mad at whoever's there. I open the door. It is Chaz Palminteri. It is Chaz Palminteri, who me and my friends already noticed sitting like 10 tables away earlier. It's Chaz freaking Palminteri. Why was he being a dick? He had his little nephew or grandson. Oh. It had to be his grandson who's like holding it, just uh. squirming. So the grandson goes in there, <laughs> and it's just me and Chaz staring at each other. All I could think, I, I have wet hands because he's rushing me. Right. I did my pee-pee, I washed my hands. He's rushing me, Mike, and I literally clasped with my wet hands, clasped Good. his hand. that'll teach him. And I said, all I could say was, you are wonderful. <laughs> That's what my brain came up with. You, you are, are wonderful. wonderful. And he just nodded. He's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> True story. 100%. Ask my college friends. As he's got to like, whip off his hand from all the wetness that you put I on I hope you thought it was pink. You're this wonderful. Is Thank you. I just got in there. I wasn't... Oh, my God. Well, that's revenge for how bad a Bronx tale was. Politeri was great. De Niro was the director. Plays the dad, right? Yeah, plays the dad. Not good, huh? Wow. The great score. I could not believe the scores that this movie got. I'm glad you gave him the wet hand. Uh... <laughs> See, by skip, though, I would obviously skip A Bronx Tale. I think I would... God, that's tough. I would buy The Departed, and I, I have a lot of respect for The Schmodown, but that's just how good The Departed is. See see The Schmodown Collision 3. Now, did any one of those matches... What was the best match from The Schmodown? Do you remember? Oh, the all? main event. Main event. By far. Main event might have been one of the best matches. It was the, the team called the Shirewolves, which are Rachel Cushing and uh, Clark mm-hmm. Wolf going for the tag team titles with they had just lost to the odd couple which is jeff schneider who does a lot of great work for collider there and uh, and uh, mark andreco who i i love reading about on twitter as well he put, thinks he puts out a lot of good stuff but 
One of the best matches in Shimonon history. Was that the best thing you watched this week? Do you have some wrestling news you want to get into yet? No, because the we big were news there. we're going to save, and it was going to be the best thing I saw this week, but since I saw you were nice enough to put it on the schedule for Do You Care <laughs> next, we'll talk about it then. Kemba is the best thing I saw this week. Ugh. Danny Ainge, I know NBA stuff, I know it's it's the start of free agency. you got to bear with us for a couple more weeks here, people. Danny Ainge, there was four people available in free agency that fit the Celtics mold on a team that he didn't think he was going to have any free agents, any cap room to play with. He got the one guy who's already a multi-time all-star and he signed him right away. It's a stellar job. I think by him, here's why you're going to be thoroughly insufferable for the next, amongst at least, other reasons. at least six months, Yeah, at least one, whenever we months. talk about sports. Mm-hmm. So that this is, if you, if you guys feel that, feel what I'm feeling, <laughs> <laughs> and you just think he's an insufferable egomaniac. You're not wrong, any of you. This is why. Because this ball player decided to go to his favorite team. My that, favorite basketball player, by the way. That's that's another thing. Like I'm mad at you because we both grew up right, right. Uh, rooting for UConn Huskies. Right. And Kemba Walker can do no wrong. He won he is, the 2011 National Championship. He is he our favorite. Not the Huskies. <laughs> and Napier and all those yeah. guys. We love Kemba Walker basketball. Yes. And... I'm just so envious. Like, cause I was like, even if he came comes to the Knicks, it's probably not the best move. But we got I can root it's for Kemba. Walker. I right. can root for yeah. Kemba, and you get to do that now. And we're gonna get Prince freaking Humperdinck coming <laughs> to the Knicks. We're not getting anybody. I hope you get Prince Humperdinck. <laughs> I hope you sign Humperdinck. Humperdinck. You get a nickname Humperdinck. It's like I told your brother numerous times, and I'll tell you now. You guys are just Celtics fans now. You just haven't embraced that. And once you do, it's going to be the best feeling in the world, Mike. You have a team that actually gives a shit and cares about its fans and cares about doing well. Doesn't trade its best player for socks. Everybody turned us off, Mike. We have one more segment to go. <laughs> Let's do Do You Care? the do you care segment this is where we take other news stories of the week and we ask ourselves do we should we or will we care about them the way we lead off every do you care segment every week in mmow is i take the new releases and i ask mike if we care about them this should be an easy one to cover this week july 2nd we have spider-man far from home going nationwide july 3rd midsummer comes out nationwide we also have marion and leonard words of love going on a limited release july 5th do we care about any of those i do i care about all three actually because Marion and Leonard uh, documentary that looks interesting. So we're going to see Spider-Man Far From Home on Tuesday. Yes. We plan right now. We're going to record something. Should be a movie event for you Wednesday. We're thinking. And then midsummer, we don't know if we're going to do it at the end of next week or if it's going to be one of those brain benders that we have to do it the following week. we got a mid-year Oscar update that will come for you eventually over this next two-week uh, period as well. We'll do a Tarantino film a week. Also, getting that out of the way already so i don't know if we're going to be able to do midsummer this week we want to do give it the deep dive treatment yeah and it might be an oscar sprint profile it might not be a movie event. i mean depending on what's there true we know we don't expect it to have oscar legs we've both commented on that it's a couple too times gross. right but who knows it's getting it i mean the reviews for this freaking movie i'm all i'm a little worried because it's turning into another one of those the greatest horror movie ever made and i'm getting a little <laughs> tired of seeing that but we're gonna see i can't wait but what if it is mike if it is, then it's going to be talked about in the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff yeah. put in charge of Monday Night Raw and WWE's SmackDown. Yeah. This is the Monday and Thursday show. Tuesday You're, now. Monday, Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. 
they do it Monday, Tuesday now. Um, this is gigantic news coming out of left field for the WWE, and it works on a couple fronts. Of course, I care about it. I think all wrestling fans do, just out of sheer curiosity. Because you were just opining about how these they have gone stale. Need a desperate for, change. Like a long time. These the TV shows, the pay per views. Yeah. And now you're putting some innovative minds behind at least the TV shows. Yes. There's a reason to be concerned because the SI article made this very clear that both men, Bischoff and Heyman, still will directly report to Vince, as everybody in the company directly reports yeah. to Vince McMahon. He's the one every you can listen to writers on podcasts talk about how they know they're writing for an audience of one because Vince McMahon is the WWE. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman has been around for a while. He's been involved with Brock Lesnar on Raw and on the Raw channel, on the Raw show, I should say, and in WWE for probably the last six years or so. Right. He's been near the product. He's used to it. He's helped with input on stories of other characters. He's done a lot of good. It makes a lot of sense not only to hire him because he's a creative mind, but hiring him keeps him away from AEW, which is the new hot independent league, basically, oh. that's just starting up. And Cody Rhodes and a lot of hot independent, a lot of innovative independent wrestlers have started that company. So it works a double-edged sword there, keeping them away from AEW. I'm all in on Paul Heyman, even though he has a history of kind of breaking down when it comes to working creative with the McMahons. It hasn't ended well his first two go-arounds, but everyone's older, hopefully wiser. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see. Hopefully he gets a lot of control to turn Raw around. I'm not the first person to say this, but what is very questionable to me is the Eric Bischoff signing. Eric Bischoff hasn't wrote wrestling TV in five years. When he was writing his last go-around, he was involved with the creative side of what's called Impact Wrestling, which is TNA Wrestling, which used to be the number two wrestling brand, but now AEW is. He was not good. He was not very good creatively there, and he will tell you he wasn't very good creatively there. He has his 83 Weeks podcast. He talks about it uh, quite a lot. I'm curious as to why he's being brought in in such a prominent role, because for those of you who don't know, speaking about wider things that are important in media, the Fox channel bought SmackDown for a billion dollars, a five-year billion-dollar contract, and Bischoff is not only going to be running creative for SmackDown, but he's also going to be working directly with Fox executives to integrate the show once that starts off in October. It's totally out of left field. I don't know how Stephanie McMahon, who's the former head of creative, comes into play. Obviously, Vince's daughter has been there with the company for since her lifetime. I don't know where Triple H falls into play. He's the head of NXT, which is the WWE Miners League. So there's been a lot of reports of him and Vince butting heads creatively over the last couple months. He gets skipped over for these two guys. There's a lot of questions, and if nothing else, it keeps the WWE relevant, which Vince McMahon is always very good at doing when his back is against the wall. So credit to him. Hopefully this works out. So it sounds like it's a better option than just saying, all right, Triple H, you're in charge of Raw, and Stephanie, you're in charge of SmackDown, or no? No, only because a lot Triple H has not been allowed to do What Triple H does, he runs NXT, which is the minor leagues. Okay, so you like Triple H. Everybody does. They right, love right, NXT. Right. NXT is a rousing success. I was just using context clues to try and figure this out. <laughs> well, you're, 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 it's a good, it's a fine assumption because people, people don't like Stephanie McMahon because she's been the head of creative on the major league on Raw and SmackDown for years and she's one of the people they attribute the trouble to so people wanted Triple H to be inserted in the role and they've been clamoring for him to be inserted in the main shows it didn't happen and now you're kind of passing him over even though he's your son-in-law for two outsiders who haven't really written for wrestling in quite some time all very interesting. It all's going to be, uh, it's all going to come to a head. We're going to see what happens to it. Twitter but... loved the news yeah. when I was on it and it dropped. Yeah. And literally on my head, it went from just 
movie stuff normal man day. it came from out of nowhere and then bang there were no hints that this was going to happen <laughs> there was no illusions that this was going to happen it just kind of si sports illustrated reported it and that's where we are but you said the wwe needed to do something drastic absolutely and they did uh, it certainly did. <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. Uh, we're trying to wrap up here for you guys. We know we're going a little long this week. What else is new? Mike, there's an upcoming Netflix musical, Prom, from Ryan Murphy. is going to have Meryl Streep, Aquafina, Nicole Kidman, and Ariana Grande. My lord, what a cast that is. Do we care? I do care for a couple reasons. Number one, you're going to have a Netflix original movie with Meryl Streep in it. Mm-hmm. Aquafina, Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman, Star Power, Ariana Grande, etc. Uh, I, I also care because... This is not the story I thought it was. This is a really powerful story about, you know, kind of the producers, mm-hmm. right? But instead of Gene Wilder, you got Meryl Streep <laughs> and uh, Corden there. And they're kind of doing a producer's thing, but they, they actually find a really powerful story about a, a girl who's not being allowed to go to her prom because she's gay. And they're, they're doing something with her with a, a publicist, Aquafina. In a year where there was a lot of highlights, cultural highlights at the yeah. Tonys. This was one of the strongest moments for me. The song from Prom was featured prominently. It was the song they presented because they were up for what the equivalent of Best Picture was, the, the Broadway show Prom. And they performed a song that ended with two female characters in a passionate embrace and kissing. And it was just an awesome song. It was an awesome moment. They got a standing ovation. So are these like producers making a musical about this girl? Or what are they... I don't know the well, plot. That was the I don't other, know the plot. I don't, I don't either. And that was the other place I was going with this. This entire backstory that we hear about isn't hinted at at all in what I saw. Okay. So this is all news to me. I don't know the, the relationship between it. I'm excited for it. And I know it does center around a gay character and her prom. That was the extent of my knowledge of the plot. So to hear this entire producers-esque background story attached to it only intrigues me even more. I'm very excited to see this myself. I think there, that is something worthy of caring about. I absolutely agree. Yeah, director Casey Nicolau, Nicolau, excuse me, uh, was a voice on South Park because he knew Trey and Matt from working with them on Book the Book of Mormon. Of Mormon. Yeah. And he's been nominated at seven different Tony Awards, winning, of course, for the Book of Mormon. Uh, that's not nominated for seven awards. At seven different Tony Award shows, yeah, this man crazy. was nominated. Incredible. He's a big wig. All right, Mike, do you care about the investigation? This is a 10-act play reading of the Mueller Report. John Lithgow, Jason Alexander, Annette Benning, Kira Sedgwick, and Alyssa Milano starred. Indirectly. I don't care about this directly because I think it's a little gratuitous. But indirectly, there has been this effort in Hollywood lately for these A-list stars to bring their star power for calling for our president's head, essentially. We just saw, if you were on, on Facebook or any kind of social media last week, there was a big commercial helmed by Robert De Niro and a couple other A and B list stars right. talking about all the faults along President Trump's timeline and why we should be worried about his involvement with Russia and basically calling for his job. This seems to be a trend now that there's enough questionable decisions for several celebrities to highlight all the different decisions, all the different questionable decisions, and kind of bring them to the forefront in, in an entertaining way to get people's attention, probably not coincidentally leading up to the next election. That I care about. I think that's very unique. Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure it's a great thing overall, because I don't know that Hollywood should be kind of pandering for votes, except I understand it in this case specifically, because I think it's warranted. I think this is a very... Um, 
unusual presidency we're in the midst of. Yeah, it's just strange to me. Like it's this they're doing this in the theater. Right. You know, so how much traction did they think it was going to get? Don't this know. just something they wanted to do that they, you know, creatively. It's not, it's not like struggling. it became like a TV series <laughs> right. or a TV special. Right. I, I So the reach of it is not that large. I mean, it was in the trades for a couple of days this week to the point where two guys named Mike, you know, tied it into the uh, Six Degrees of MMO <laughs> connection that we, we did today. The stroke of genius. But I, like, I don't see that. Is it that much of a power move? It's going to make that much of a difference. I don't know. I don't know that any of it will. I mean, that, the mirror commercial, I don't know that there's going to be any needle moving at all by any of it, but... The fact that it, they all these celebrities think it's important enough to try, the motivation of it all is really, really interesting to me. Uh, to me, it like it becomes a preaching to the choir kind of moment. Somewhat, yes, I would agree. But I don't know. I maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I would agree. All right, last story here. We'll wrap up. Melissa McCarthy, a bit of a controversy. She's in talks right now to play Ursula in the live-action Little Mermaid remake that we all knew we were going to get eventually. Yeah. Uh, do you care, Mike? I, I do care a little bit because, but I, I also understand why people were upset because they really wanted Lizzo, who's a great performer mm-hmm. in her own right, uh, to get this part. Apparently, there were two finalists. I guess that's what. I, the, yeah, that's how it sounds. So there were two finalists for the role, and of course, Disney went with star power. Makes sense to me. I get it. Yeah, like, you know, Melissa McCarthy is, is probably going to knock this out of the park. I mean, and will likely put butts in the seats. With she, she's going to perform this with relish. Yeah. That being said, I don't. I'm not familiar with Lizzo's work, so tell me if she would have done an awesome. Oh, job. She would have been great. She would have been Put great. Her, yeah. This. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, don't, I think this is a a controversy about nothing. I think people want Lizzo to be in something awesome, and th- this is this is kind of one of those happier controversies about right. nothing because you're just saying we love her. Right. Get her at something. Telling Disney that there's a groundswell of right. people happy about this person, and I don't think it's a neg, neg on uh, Melissa McCarthy. Because... Well, I hope it doesn't turn into that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it certainly doesn't seem like that now. That, that's the, my only worry is that it, the are the fans that are displeased by the choice going to be toxic towards Melissa McCarthy? I don't think that's warranted. I don't think that helps anybody. No, if I, that I don't think they will be. I but hope not. We'll see. I mean, it was it was a fun story because I think. Melissa McCarthy's going to do well as Ursula. And then, oh, hey, there's this other megastar that I just got exposed to the first time. Yeah, so there you go. That's it for this week. That is the week in Hollywood and getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. I said it right on the outro, if not the intro. (laughs) We want to know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about anything going on this week with MMO and anything done in the MMO empire. You could reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcast whether that's tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc you just type in mike mike and oscar you'll see our happy cartoon faces waving back at you michael what's next from mmo you already touched on that somewhat and also what are some words of wisdom to get these people's weeks started off on the right foot with? yeah far from home spider-man far from home and death proof we're definitely going to review those this week uh we got a mid-year oscar race update we got a midsummer review and we got an inglorious bastards review that are also be coming out over the next two weeks as well Continuing the Tarantino rewatch up until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We got some new movies that we're really excited about that could factor into the Oscar race as well. In terms of words of wisdom, oh, I just the world is dark and full of terrors. I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> it's from 
Game of Thrones. Jesus Christ. Watch wrestling. You're happy. You're happy, and I'm sad. I would say watch wrestling. I mean, Kevin Durant, say he's coming to the Knicks tonight, and I'll be much happier. Actually, I just got a... uh, Get out of here. Don't get my hurt. Well, Kevin Durant making free agent decision tonight is the Bleacher Report update, so you will know tonight. I heard he bought a house in Connecticut. uh, Not Connecticut, in New York. Oh, you, oh! I thought you. I thought you just said I already bought a house in Connecticut. I thought those were your words. I was like, I don't know I what that no has money. to do well, how with Kevin Durant. <laughs> All right, I think that's that's wise, Michael. I hope it works out for you. I do. I'm so upset. <laughs> I'm so upset that you're happy. That's even worse. Well, Mike, lucky for you, when your reality sucks. I woke up the other day happy that you were happy, and then you were so insufferable on text on text messages. Just the worst. Just the worst you've ever been. Yeah. The most out of control. Just heel. Wrestling heel. I don't. Like, they should hire you to write the wrestling. I don't handle. That I could not be happy for you anymore. I don't handle success well. guys when reality sucks you can come watch movies or you know other parts of reality with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will check you out soon see ya